about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass. It is a Wednesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. It's good for you guys. I'm back. I know you'll miss me. You don't have to say anything. Uh, I was doing some a radio hit in Cleveland uh, Monday. Monday. And Jonathan Peterlin used to work down the hall. Uh, he's now doing radio guy. in Cleveland. What's that? That's my guy. Is he? What's your worst Jonathan Peterlin story? Um, a lot of people want to hear the bad. I want to hear the worst. The worst story? Yeah, the worst of John, of uh, Peterlin. Uh, are you going to bring it up if I have him on the show Friday? Sure. Um, Do you want me to, do- to bring it up? I used to dog sit him. One of the nastiest You dog sitted par- him? him? No, him or his <laughs> dog. I used to dog sit for him. One of the worst apartments I've ever been in my life. Just like messy and... Oh, yeah. Really? Did it stink a little bit? A little roachy. A little roachy? Yeah. Oh, boy. That kind of... Like, does he have any impact on that? No, it's Houston. Yeah. It's not not always great. Kind of roachy. I'm going to ask him if it's... salary-driven? Probably. Yeah, Maybe. probably. Yeah. I wonder if his apartment in Cleveland is a little roachy. I might ask him that. Probably not. You're going to have him on... We're having him on Friday? I think so, yeah. Okay. We're I mean, he, a little tit for tat. You know, I did him a favor. At least true. he can do is do us a favor. A fair point. I just haven't texted him yet. Oh, okay. So he's in. He just doesn't know it yet. He'll say yes. But he was uh, he was doing a bit. It really wasn't a bit. It was just the Cleveland Browns defense, which is the best defense in the league, and we saw that firsthand ruin Case Keenum. I mean, just absolutely, just Case never had a chance. Uh, that's how good the Cleveland Browns defense is. And Cleveland has done this to quarterbacks in the NFL this season. Joe Burrow went 14 for 31, 82 yards against the Browns defense, season low. Brock Purdy, who was in the mix for the MVP race for a long period of time, against the Browns' defense, 12 for 27, 125 yards. Season-low completion percentage, season-low yards. Lamar Jackson, who is the heavy betting favorite to win his second MVP, against the Browns' defense, 13 for 23, 223 yards, two picks. It's the only time he's thrown two interceptions in a game all year. Trevor Lawrence, eh. You know, a lot of people are eh on Trevor Lawrence, but he's okay at times. 28 for 50. 28, he threw 50 times. 28 for 50. 257 yards. Did throw through three touchdowns, uh, but also threw three interceptions. And then Justin Fields, Joe's guy, was 19 for 40, 166 yards, two interceptions against the Cleveland Browns. Now, there's been a couple of good games against them. Matt Stafford threw for 279, three touchdowns. Geno Smith was iffy, 254, two touchdowns, but also threw two picks. So the Cleveland Browns, best defense in the NFL. We saw it firsthand, destroyed Case. They have a hit list of Burrow, Purdy, Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Why in the world is it going to be different for C.J. Stroud, 713-780-ESPN. Why will it be different for C.J. Stroud? Look, I, I think that when you look at what C.J. Stroud has been able to do and, and you know, without putting the entire resume together for everybody and just throwing numbers at him, we know what this kid has done. He's checked every box. He checks every box from last week, stepping up in a big playoff-like atmosphere in a must-win game, doesn't throw a pick, leads his team, doesn't have all of his receivers, does what he does. And and the fact that you believe he's your franchise quarterback, you believe he's quote-unquote special, you believe that he has all the tools and attributes mentally and physically to be a premier quarterback in this league. That's why you believe in C.J. Stroud. Plus, it looks like he's going to get some of his receivers back that he was missing. If he can get uh, you know Noah Brown back, that's one thing. If he can get Robert Woods back, that's another thing. And then you start realizing that he's got experienced veteran receivers and more of them than he had a week ago, and that's another encouraging sign. Not, taking nothing away from Cleveland's defense because we, we've known all season long this is one of the premier defenses in the league, 
But we believe that C.J. Stroud is one of the premier quarterbacks in this league. So it's a hell of a matchup, but I'm still going to ride with C.J. knowing that they're going to find a way with Bobby Slowick and company to move the football, put points on the board, and be in this football game. Yeah, it, the Robert, Robert Woods practiced today, mm-hmm. from what I've read on the Twitters. I haven't seen the injury report yet. Now, it seemed like Robert Woods was close to playing against the Colts. Like, he went with the team. He traveled with yeah, the team. I was team. surprised he didn't play. Yeah, he was moving around. Yeah. I, I guess they just didn't like the movement, or maybe it just wasn't 100%. Maybe they felt like a win without him and maybe buy him a week. Like, it's a gamble. It's a roll of the dice. But, you know, maybe it's one that they actually won uh, that gamble, won that roll of the dice. Brown, it, it doesn't seem like Brown's close. Like, we haven't really seen that he's, like, out at practice and things like that. But... I'm cool getting one of the two back. And if you gave me the option between those two, probably lean Robert Woods. Yeah, I think, I think so. he's more consistent. Brown probably had a bigger game. Yep. You know, more experience too. Maybe yeah. the pass the run blocking is probably and Brown might get the edge on I run think Brown's blocking a, better a little blocker, bit. Yeah. But I would take Woods over Brown, although it's very, very close. Like I'm not gonna die on that hill. Um King of Twitch says the Browns defense has not got a good taste of CJ. It's a great point. And it's great to see you come around, uh, King of Twitches. It's great to see that from you. To me, I think it's kind of good that the Texans got embarrassed by Cleveland on Christmas Eve. Like, if we knew that the Texans were going to win the division, if we knew that the Houston Texans were going to play Cleveland in the wild card round and, of course, host them because they've won the, the division, if we knew that going into the Christmas Eve game, like, you cannot change the results. These are This is going to be the result. This is the wild card round. You win the division. Cleveland Browns the top wild card. You will host them in the first round of the playoffs. If you knew that going into the Cleveland game, obviously you're not playing C.J. Stroud, but I think that it's better that you got hammered because it's like well now you kind of got the attention of the team cj stroud didn't play in that game so you have the built-in excuse maybe cleveland takes you a little bit lightly i think it's good that the texans have played these two playoff type games going into this beating tennessee beating the colts whereas cleveland was resting their starters so they really haven't had that must win you know winner go home mentality things like that but from a cj stroud perspective to me, it's like, are you elite? Are you one of the game's best? Because I think that you have to be to beat a Cleveland defense that's this good. Well, let's also throw into the mix that we know this from baseball. We know this from basketball. And, and we know this has to be probably the case from football, too. When you have tape on someone, when you've played against them, then you start learning their tendencies, what they do, what they can do, you know, what their skill set and abilities are, that you can plan for them a certain way. Yeah, you can see the tape and you can do those things, but if the Browns had played against CJ the first time and they started to see some of the things he's doing, the throws he's capable of making, and 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 everything was on display, then it's a different story coming into this week. I think there's a lot of unknowns. You can watch the tape and you you know the film, but when you play against him at game speed and you see the throws that he's capable of making, that's when you can make adjustments and you can realize, hey, this is what he does, this is what he doesn't like to do, or this is what we were able to do against him. I think that's a that's an advantage for the Texans in this case because you can plan and scheme and do all those things, but it would be nice if they two weeks ago played against him or three weeks ago, whenever it was. You played against him and saw it and, and were able to experience it. So I like the fact that they didn't get to see him. If you like you said, if you could have known all those things and know you're gonna play him in the playoffs. I'm glad they didn't get a chance to see C.J. Stroud. I am, too, because uh, you don't really know what you don't know. Now, Cleveland's defense is really good, and they've shut out the best quarterbacks throughout the season. And then from like a defensive point of view, too, like don't want to go too much into the weeds in that, but the Texans kind of took Cleveland's best shot and got exposed. Yeah. So it's, well, we know what we did that got us exposed, so can you clean it up? Whereas you kind of know where Cleveland's at in terms of their ceiling. Like, I think they played about as good as they could play offensively against you already. So you know that you've tasted that. You have saw it up close and personal. You know why you stunk. You know why you failed. 
Now you know what it's going to take to succeed. So I, I, I actually take a silver lining from it. Yeah, you also know that Joe Flacco wants to air it out, that from a defensive perspective, they thought that they had something on the deep ball. And Amari Cooper, they wore him out, and he wore out the Texans. So you know from a Texans perspective, that's where every question is going to start defensively. That's where everybody's going to look and point to the fact that they knew that they could go deep on you, and they knew that you couldn't stop Amari Cooper, and now he's back. So that's something that they, the Texans have to keep fresh in their mind, that that's going to be something that they know they got in their back pocket coming into this ballgame. But do you think that they're, gonna, they're just going to sit on that again? No, I think that they're going to look to do some things differently as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's game planning. Can, it's X's and O's. It's chess match. It's all that. Uh, on the, uh, on the, the games that their defense has had success, how many of those were on, at home and how many on the road? Because yeah, and, we, and if you don't know, that, I just know I saw a stat that said their defense – was giving up a lot more points on the road. Well, we, we talked about it whenever Cleveland right. came into Houston. We, we looked at the home road splits uh, that week, and they weren't good, but they finished pretty strong. Yeah, because we know, they're, <laughs> they I mean, we know they're a good defense. I'm just, I was just curious how that related to, you know, how many of the games where they had success against good quarterbacks. Sounds like a good thing to look up. I should. seven one three seven eight zero espn That wasn't what, on you for not doing it. I just threw it out in case because I know you do deep dives. I didn't know if you did that. What gives you confidence in C.J. Stroud against a Browns defense that has made quarterbacks look poor all year, all year? A hit list that includes Lamar Jackson, the MVP. A hit list that, that includes Brock Purdy, who was on the, the short list to being an MVP for a while. Joe Burrow. On that hit list, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN four one zero six says he's got that dog in him. I agree. Whatever that means, I do think that CJ Stroud has that dog in him. Uh, on Twitter, KC he's CJ Stroud. That's enough for me. Like it's funny that we're looking at a rookie quarterback and we say that about him. Like, well, he's CJ Stroud. He's him. That's enough for me. He's come a long way in just a single season. Uh, Texans are playoff bound. All starts with the offensive line. If they can do a decent job blocking, Stroud will do well. Uh, They're game planning for man-to-man this week, and we'll see C.J. make throws over the top of corners. Schultz should have a big day. The pass rush was a problem the the first time that they played. Uh, They were getting to the the quarterback a ton. Case Keenum didn't really have a chance to throw. And then whenever he tried to scramble, he couldn't outrun what was a very, very athletic Cleveland defense. Love Case Keenum, greatest quarterback statistically in college football history. He, at this stage of his career, is not near the same level as C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud's closer to the best quarterback in the NFL than C.J. Stroud is to Case Keenum. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, look, they're night and day, and it's 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 everything. It's skill set at this point. It's age. It's legs. It's it's all athleticism. It's all those different things. But I think it's a bonus from a Texans perspective that, you know, Cleveland, like you said, is going to be feeling pretty good about themselves, feeling pretty good about coming in here. You've heard some of the quotes from them, too, about the fact that they, they're good, we're better, uh, that some of the ex-Texans were even talking about those kind of things. So, you know, I, I don't think that they have a level of urgency and concern. Like, we've been there in that building. We've done that. I even expect think from a fan's perspective. It's one thing at the start of the year when Browns fans were trying to, you know, snipe up all the different tickets that they could get to, to to see the Browns in the regular season. I think it'll be a totally different atmosphere. I think it'll be loaded with Texans fans. I think they're going to be jacked up, and, and I think it'll be a different uh, fan uh, fan experience, too, when the Browns come rolling in. Inter- I saw that they haven't sold out yet. Greg really? Grissom tweeted that they're close to selling out. So it looks like it's trending in that direction. You're close to a sellout on Wednesday. You're probably getting to a mm-hmm. sellout on Saturday. King brings up a good point on the on the uh, Twitch. Like, how many Browns fans will be there? Because the first time on Christmas Eve, there were a lot of Browns fans there. Uh, grinding on coffee and whiskey sounds like my kind of guy. Uh, no penalties. 70. I can't say the name that he said, but no penalties 
series, seventy-eight. The whole know. team. Joe and I talked about it yesterday. I mean, they just were they were they were careless and and they got penalized a lot, and they can't be doing that. It, that most of the time we were there, I think they had eleven penalties or something like that. But you can't do the things that they did normally and, and escape with a victory unless the turnover battle went completely your way or a lot of things went your way. They were able to do that. In the playoffs, you don't want to see that scenario play out again where you, you get penalized and you get careless and sloppy. That's uncharacteristic of them. Yeah, they're usually pretty good at that, but they, it was very extreme uh, on Saturday. I almost slipped up on the road against Indy. We have a busy show in store for you. Get, giving away some third-eye blind tickets Ooh. a little bit later, so you're going to How's it gonna stay be? sure that you're here. Is that one of their songs? Mm-hmm. There you go. Look at Blinkers. Nice, uh, nice. what would I call that? Pull? Good pull. It's a great pool. Really good pool. I'm impressed. Uh, Bobby Slowick, I think, is trending toward leaving, and I think that the trend around the NFL is showing that as well. Some family drama in NRG. I live for drama. So a little family drama is always good, at least from the outside. A couple of statements that we've heard from Kirby this week that I've loved as well. Busy show. We want you to stick around until 6 o'clock. 713-780-ESPN. HRMP listener line. 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch. Twitch.tv Slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. He's at Joe George Radio on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham on Twitter. Should I stop calling it Twitter? Do I need to make the transition to X? I really don't want to. Yeah. Do we owe an apology to Cal McNair? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend Doc Linville and the Neograph procedure. I've been telling you about him for quite a while because I've had a great experience with the procedure with Doc Linville, with his office, and with the results that I got getting my hair back. And you can do the exact same thing. As a listener to ESPN 97.5, if you're interested in getting your hair back, if you've been struggling with pattern baldness and hair loss, you need to go to the, the, the people at Doc Linville's office and get a free consultation. In order to do that and save yourself the $150 that it normally it costs to get in to, to talk to Doc and his staff, you just go to 975hair.com and you set up the appointment, you go in, you ask questions, you get answers, and you see if it's right for you too. It's not the sprays and the creams and the foams that just mask the problem and frustrate you more than it gets you results. It's actually taking a spot, spots on your body where you're never going to lose your hair. Primarily, you're never going to lose genetically your hair on the sides and the back of your head. He's going to take some of that and repurpose it where you need it most. You're going to see the follicles starting to grow and being put in there immediately. You're going to see the absolute best results in about 9 to 12 months, and you're going to be so happy you went through with the procedure. And to start a new you in, in the new year, Doc Linville's even cut his prices, and he's down to 350 a follicle, which is a massive savings, because he's not trying to make money, as he told me. He's trying to get people to understand this works. It is legit. You're going to get your hair back. But set up the appointment, no cost to you, no signing on the dotted line, just an information session, and see if you might be the next in line to get the procedure. Go to 975hair.com. Tell them I sent you by, because Doc's the best in the business. Check out the Neograph procedure. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Bees Blank on Branham. Ocho, could the Browns defense make Stroud look like Michael Penix versus Michigan? Yeah, they could. They have the best defense in the NFL. They've done it to all of the quarterbacks, most of the quarterbacks that they played. Burrow, Jackson, Purdy, Lawrence and Fields aren't in that same tier, I don't believe. Uh, But absolutely, the Browns defense could dominate the game on Saturday and keep you to 10 points and win the football football game 24 to 10. Or C.J. Stroud can be magical C.J. Stroud. Maybe the Texans get back some defensive line help. Grenard was practicing today, according to Will Kunkel, Mark Berman's replacement. 
If you have Grenard, you have Anderson, your defensive tackles are intact, you can create some pressure on Joe Flacco with four. Like, yeah, it's a winnable game. I think it's a totally winnable game, and the spread would tell you that it's a totally totally winnable game. It's a good matchup, and I think that, you know, you're at home, and you have the ability to get a lot of players back that didn't play the first time, and people respect the fact that you're a different ball uh, ball club when, when C.J. is that quarterback, but when C.J. is that quarterback and – you add some of the receivers that he has relied on and give give you give him more variety to choose from instead of basically trying to find a way to make John Mechie a, a usable a usable resource uh, and some of the guys that they had uh, Hutchinson with you got know, it you got to realize as young as these guys are and what Mechie's been through they just weren't going to be able to do what they were trying to do to replace guys that were out you get those guys back and realize at home CJ Stroud momentum rolling for them. Uh, and guys coming back, I think that they're in a better position, way better position than they were the last time, and I think this is basically more like a coin flip game than it is that the Browns are going to come in and roll the Texans. kind of feel good about it, weird, which I don't like that I feel good about it because I usually don't have success on games I feel good about, but I feel good about it. Uh, D'Amico Ryans uh, was talking to the media. This was from Monday. Uh, I listened to his press conference yesterday. Poor guy's horse. He's horse. He, he's lost his voice. He's earned the right to Ryan's. be horse. I'm more concerned about D'Amico Ryan's being horsed in the family drama that's going off, uh, going on with the ownership of the Texans. I think that's more um, a problem for Saturday than whatever is going on in the courts. Uh, but do we owe Cal McNair an apology? 713-780-3776. Here was D'Amico Ryan's the other day talking to the media, talking about the support from the family McNair. The McNair family has been, has been awesome. Right, you talk about support from the ownership. They've been outstanding with their support. Right, whatever we've asked, whatever we've needed, from from their end, you know, they've been open arms. And it's it's truly like one of the reasons why you know chose to come here is just they want to create that family environment, and that's what it's truly felt like. It's felt like family from day one, and they've shown that throughout the entire year. Right, they're with us. Right through the ups and downs, they're with us. Right, and it's uh, very important to have an ownership group who, who truly cares not only about the wins and losses, but they care about the people in the organization. I think that's what sets the McNair family apart from others because they have truly gracious hearts, really great family, great people, and uh, it's, it's a joy to work with them. All right, this was not the tenor with uh, Cal McNair a year ago, no. a year and a half ago. Uh, when did he fire Easterby? So... Now, it's, I mean, the coach talking about ownership, like he's going to say nice things about ownership, let's be real. He's not going to sit there behind a microphone as he's employed by the team that his checks are being signed by the last name McNair and say anything negative. So he's going to be cordial. He's going to be kind. Now, he goes over the top yeah, to, to be not, I don't, I don't say over the top and patronizing. I think he goes over the top because he's sincere and genuinely believes what he's saying. But there's also been action there. D'Amico Ryans was one of the most coveted coaching candidates in last year's coaching carousel. And fell in love with the Texans. So, like, there's actions to those words that we just heard. And it's it's interesting. And, again, do we owe Cal an apology? 713-780-3776. It's interesting to, one, they signed one of the best coaching candidates that they could in 2023. They've had tremendous amount of success. Hannah and Cal have completely rebranded who they are as, you know, owners. I use that word very, very lightly. And you hear the kind words that D'Amico's family, they care, they're around. It means so much to us. It means so much to the team. I feel like we owe Cal McNair an apology for how we treated him over a year ago. I think that they were very intelligent in the fact that they knew something needed to change. And if it was perception, if it was reality, if it was both, there was a really conscious effort that you and I've talked about in the past 
to kind of change that narrative, to get a different feeling and a different approach from the top down. It started with all the ways that they tried to rebrand themselves, rebrand the organization, but it really started when they hired D'Amico Ryans. And and to your point about D'Amico, you can say nice things, and you're supposed to say nice things when that's your employer, but you don't have to go on the way he did unless you really believe him because of the fact that they probably did get out of the way because there's times during the year when you go to them and say, not that you need a new practice facility, you might need some equipment, you might need a different uh, adjustment with the travel schedule or you know the ownership has to come in and say, yeah, we're up for another night at the hotel or a, a flight. With all the different things that go into a full season in professional sports and it, you basically hear from D'Amico with passion that they've supported whatever that football operations has wanted to do. And I've been in situations where it's not quite that easy and smooth and the ownership isn't quite that quick to open up the, the checkbook to where you could hear a short answer like, he's been great, they've been great, it's been, you know, it's been a good year. That's when you know that, okay, well, maybe, maybe not gushing. The way D'Amico talks about it, they've kind of, lived through their they, they've lived through and executed what the talk is cheap and they've actually done some things it seems like to really give the football what they need yeah it felt wholesome like it feels sincere and you said that you know the ownership kind of changed who they were the perception of them when they hired D'Amico but it also takes two to tango like it took D'Amico saying yes and D'Amico had options like it wasn't D'Amico looking at the coaching cycle all of these potential employers and the Texans were the only one that wanted to hire him that was not the case he had he had options to choose from so part of it was D'Amico too saying yeah I trust the McNairs that I'm going to put my career on the line in that organization like I that says a lot to me the action says more than the words do. Here was C.J. Stroud talking about how great this organization has been, and it starts with ownership. The conversation I had on the phone with Mr. McNair when I got drafted, it was like, man, like God sent him like to be a part of uh, my life, and uh, Mr. McNair has been amazing as well. Just like, cause, I mean, it's my first team, so I really don't know, but like, a lot of my teammates say, man, a lot of other places aren't like that, you know. So I'm just blessed enough to be um, with them through this time, you know. And um, D'Amico is is a perfect guy for this job, man. He, he brings something out of his players that, like, is indescribable, just like that strain, that, that mental stability, that toughness that he talks about. So, um, man, I can do nothing but just be appreciative and just be thankful for where um, I was picked and, like, the situation we're in now. And um, it's just been a blessing. It's crazy how things have changed yeah. in 365 days. You go from being a laughing stock in the NFL, 11 wins in three years. Everybody wanted Cal to sell the team. You couldn't find a head coach. Lovey, Cully, D'Amico didn't want the job, according to some. Uh, and now you have the head coach talking about how great ownership is. Head coach in his first year that won 10 games and the AFC South. C.J. Stroud, who was the second pick, had the best offensive quarterback rookie season maybe this century, talking about how God put Cal in his life and that teammates are saying that other places aren't like that how does this change in 365 days how do they go from being the absolute worst to the like one of the best organizations to play for it's wild it's a lot of work though it's a lot of work there has to be a lot of buy-in you know a lot of owners have a lot of ego and that's why it doesn't work as well in other places when it's even suggested they've got to buy in cal had to basically understand that there was going to be some tough conversations about the perception, and the reality, and then everybody's got to be on the same page. And I think that when you look at and you hear what they've said, 
I, I think that is the results and and the the fruits of the of some hard labor of having to to really take some tough pills to swallow and say we've been the laughing stock. Yeah, it's been Easterby. It's been but you know again everything that they've done was associated with Cal and Easterby with buddies. Easterby was aligning himself the right way, and it was allowed to happen. And all those things internally that created to be massive negatives had Cal's kind of signature on them as well. And then the questions about even with O'Brien and trading away guys and signing guys and, and really questions were asked by the media or they wanted to be asked, did you even know? I mean, how was that worked out where Bill was just able to do whatever he was able to do? And did he check with you? Because they were so ridiculous in a lot of the moves that they made. So I think that there was a ton of effort that had to be put forth. It is crazy how quickly it's turned because you saw as well as I did. There were people, we heard about it on this show, people calling up, sell the team. He's got to give up the team. He's got to get, we need new ownership. And we were like, unless he totally screws up or wants to sell, he doesn't have to, there's nothing's going to change. Well, yeah, we, we kind of just, uh, we didn't even entertain that conversation because like he's not selling. Although maybe, maybe there's something to that. But we were hearing like from texters, I, I will not support this team as long as Cal McNair is the de facto mm-hmm. owner. I want to hear from that person today. 713-780-3776. Were you a guy 365 days ago or, or a lady that said that I'm not rooting for the teams that are being controlled by the McNairs because they're incompetent. They're buffoon. I've called Cal a buffoon. I still kind of believe that. Uh, we've talked, like, we heard so much of that. I, I will not support the Texans until the team is under new ownership. If you were that guy, and maybe you still are. If you're that person that you were there 365 days ago, maybe you've changed. I want to hear from you and where you're at today versus 365 days ago. 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Also, we have to get into the uh, this lawsuit from Kerry, Kari. What are we calling them? We'll figure it out later. But there, I have thoughts on this. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and murderous Jays. He's blank on Branham. Bees, not Jays. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. We'll get into the uh, the lawsuit stuff in a moment. I've got some thoughts on it. Uh, 713-780-3776. But first, do we owe Cal McNair... An apology. Uh, there's been a lot of people a year ago. I'm not going to be a Texans fan until Cal sells the team or the McNair sells the team. Uh, how do you feel about that today? Are you doubling down on that? Are you taking that? Are you walking that back? Are you Homer Simpson walking back into the hedges or backing up into the hedges? A junior Broncos doubling down on it. Still don't like the McNair. Sitting on CJ doesn't just absolve them of this year of uh, the years of mistakes. Uh, so 713-780-3776. How do you feel about that, that comment from junior Broncos? It doesn't absolve them from years of mistakes. It depends on who, how much they were involved in some of the other mistakes. Because I, I think that Jack got in thanks to O'Brien. And then Jack was able to weasel his way into a relationship with Cal. But at a certain point, you have to realize as Cal, yeah, he might be my friend, but this is really taxing and toxic on my organization. But it's to, to what level, again, it goes back to something I said last segment too, about what level did he have involvement in the trade for Tunsil, the trade for D-Hop, some of the moves that O'Brien was putting his signature on and, and stamping. I, I just wonder how much you can give him direct blame for, except for the the ultimate blame of, not, if you don't know, that's on you too. OG, I've always said the fans that call for Cal to sell the team were stupid. 713-780-3776. Like, good players can sometimes 
overcome bad ownership. I think we see it in Cincinnati. That to me is the example. Uh, Joe Burrow uh, and Zach Taylor and Jamar Chase, they've overcome bad ownership, and they've almost forced bad ownership to become better owners. I, I, I feel like the Texans aren't fundamentally bad owners like the McNairs. I feel like they made some mistakes and missteps along the way, but they're also willing to spend money. They're willing to try to get out of the way once they hire good people. So I wouldn't call them bad ownership. Uh, 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Mike, you're in the hive of the bees. What's up, Mike? Hey, it's Lamont. Oh, Lamont. My bad, Lamike. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, uh, uh, you guys were talking about the turnaround for the uh, the turnaround uh, for the Texans and Cal McNair and, uh, um, you know, the organization and asking do we owe them apology, uh, an apology. Let me just say this about you guys, man, and not just – not just the killer bees, uh, not just the killer bees, but everyone who has went at, at the Texans. I think that you guys, uh, the media, the local media deserves props too, man, because they, they heard that. Uh, I'm looking at all the stuff that the McNairs have done this year, have, uh, has done this year, and, uh, uh, they clearly, I can clearly see that they pay, they're paying attention to what the media is saying on the radio and what, what fans are saying. So I don't just think it's all of them. I don't think it's just all uh, uh, all of the McNairs. I think it's guys like you guys that wouldn't, you know, blowing smoke up their ass, man. Uh, I really think that the media uh, has a lot to do with this, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then that's what I had to say, man. I, I, uh, don't sell, uh, don't sell yourself short, man, because I think they heard you guys uh, uh, berating them and, you know, making fun of them and uh, pretty much uh, – highlighting uh, how much of a joke this organization was for the last three or four years. That's all I have, fellas. Have a nice one. Appreciate it, Lamont. Thanks for the call. Look, I, I think part of that is in, in working in an in a organization that maybe cared too much about what the fans thought and, and what kind of feedback they got, there is a way to try and manipulate the media. Maybe that's too harsh of a word, but to kind of build a relationship with media members so that they're on your side so maybe they're not as harsh on you. But I think that at the same time, in order to do that, you've got to overcome a lot of the wrongs and a lot of the mistakes and a lot of the embarrassment that you've put upon yourself that you've you've gotten through. But I, I think that the first thing that you have to do, short of listening to just fans, is you do have to pay attention to what's being reported about you, what's being said about you, because for the most part, people aren't saying that stuff in the media unless they have some kind of sources behind it to, to verify a lot of stuff, and it's also their opinion. I think it's more, and appreciate the words from Lamont, and, you know, I think we can go after ownership, uh, and not not just the show at this station more than others. You know, you'll, if you're the highway to hell, how much are they going to talk True. about this lawsuit? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Like, maybe they are talking about it a lot. I don't listen. Y'all can let me know. But I imagine that they're going to. They're going to hesitate. They're not going to go all in on it, which we will. Uh, same thing with you know the flagship for the Astros. You do you think those hosts are calling their owner cheap? No. Or like I, I don't want to call them cheap either. But how much do you think that they're going after Crane's pocketbook? Um, but I think it's more the fans. To to what Lamont was saying, I think it's more the fans because the fans have the right to voice their opinions on Twitter, on our radio show, on everybody else's radio show. But more than anything else, the biggest vote that a fan has in the fan base in general is their butts in seats on game day. And when their butts aren't in seats on game day, that is their vote and their opinion of the organization. And when that stuff starts to dwindle, it starts to fade away, that's what gets ownership's attention. Oh, man, they're unhappy with us. Why are they unhappy with us? Let's find out why. And a lot of times, ownership's 
the, the, the slowest to find out. Like, why did it take them so long to fire Easter Beat? Fan base would have been doing it two years ago. So a lot of times you're the slowest. So I would give that credit more to the fans forcing mm-hmm. the McNairs to change their attitude, their feelings to certain people, just the overall organization. So I, that's where I would direct my credit to. Well, to that, to, to, to that statement right there alone, one of the things that, uh, you know, because we knew that there was kind of like this overwhelming kind of trend that was coming out amongst fans and others, that there was this arrogance that we make money hand over fist. We don't care what you're threatening to do. We don't care about anything. But you know what you care about? You care about when you know that you have to sell group tickets because that waiting list that everybody used to brag about, that it was how many ever umpteen thousand people long and everybody wanted season tickets to the Texans, that went away. And that can, that builds complacency, too. Sure. Like, whenever you have that, what's the pressure? Yep. And then, all of a sudden, after it went away, well, then we'll still sell the tickets. No, you won't. Mm-hmm. Because now, you're, you're looking at, not only are you not selling out the building, but it's not even half full. And it's really getting embarrassing. And people are calling you out on those things. And that's when you start realizing, and whether they used outside sources, inside people, however they kind of formulated this overall grand plan to try and rebrand themselves and the and the organization it was we really got to take a hard look at ourselves and realize with all that you know that everybody says about all that bottom line and yeah you're getting revenue sharing and all that you're getting from the league but you still make a boatload of money on ticket sales on you know selling concessions and everything that goes with full houses and then when you start seeing that any team that played the Texans in Houston could have as many tickets as they want, and when you go on secondary marketplaces, you're paying less than 20 bucks for a ticket to an NFL game? That's what really hits them, too. 713-780-3776. Back out to the HRMP listener line. Rob, you're in the hive of the bees. What's up? Hey, guys. Appreciate you taking my call. Uh, I think it was several years back that I made the decision. I think it was when O'Brien was actually extended um, that I wouldn't spend another cent with the Texans as long as the McNairs own the team. Uh, now I separate rooting for the team and spending money with the team into two different things. So I still I still watch on Sundays. I still root for the guys that wear the uniform because it's not their fault. But I don't give uh, I don't give McNair a pass because I think his wife ended up taking over. I don't think anything would have changed if Sports Illustrated hadn't written that article that just blasted them, made them look like clowns. And to be honest, he only, they, they really only made one really good decision, and that was hiring uh, D'Amico and then letting D'Amico do what he wanted. So all the Slowick hire and everything else and, and the draft picks, I think, were more D'Amico than anybody else. So, yes, they made one good choice finally in the past five years, and it's worked out well. But, no, nothing has changed for me. I still won't, I still won't spend a cent. I'm not going to buy a Rob. shirt. I'm not going to buy tickets. Yep. Rob, before you go anywhere, though, to that statement alone, you give them credit for hiring D'Amico. Before they did that, even if Jack had a hand in it, they hired Nick Casario. Nick Casario then was more directly related to not only the D'Amico hire you give him credit for, but some of the draft picks that have turned out very well for this this franchise. I agree with that. I don't. I don't. It's 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 a stepping stone. It's definitely a brick. But I'm not. I'm not. I guess I'm just. I mean, I guess I'm just butt hurt over the last five years of being a laughing stock of the league. I mean, I'm just I'm not over it yet. I'll, I'll be I'll be bluntly honest about it. And and I think it's more Hannah than it is than it is Cal. Yeah, I think he's still a buffoon. I think he's looked as a, like a buffoon around the league. And uh, and so yeah, I mean, if if somebody gives me tickets, I'll go cheer for the team. I'm not going to pay for parking. I'm not going to buy a soda. I'm not going to buy anything else. They're not going to get my money for a while.
Thanks for your honesty, Rob. Yeah, fair enough. Um, My only counter to like the whole, well, what about Nick Casario? Like he he's done a good job. Is you want you want to crush him for Jack Easterby? But it was it was Jack who got on a private airplane and flew to Carolina and stopped Nick Casario from taking the Carolina Panthers job. So that's where like it is convoluted. Like it's hard sure. to give credit and blame to the McNair family at the same time because like you have to then kind of give credit to Jack Easterby for getting Nick Casario here. He's the only reason. Right, but what we're talking about is because you know we're talking about can you jump back on because of the McNairs. Yeah, but it's the McNair's fault that Jack was here, and they gave Jack all that right, power. They made I, Jack the GM. But I said that's why Jack is also a part of this in terms of getting Nick, but he's, Cal said here's the keys to the plane. Go get him. This is the guy that you, you think is the best suited for the job, and then he ponied up whatever he had to pony up to get him. So Cal, at the end of the day, in this one at least we know, had involvement and had to sign off on it. So he has to get some of the credit for it. Sure. No, and like it's just it's it's tough because I I kind of lean to the fact that they that they're the Bengals. Like it's nice that they're you know they're doing a good job now, but the reality is is I think C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryan's are going to make this franchise look and operate a lot better than maybe they really are. Probably. I don't think putting I think the Cincinnati Bengals are a terrible comparison though. Why? Because the Bengals are notoriously known for being cheap. unbelievably cheap. Yep. The Houston Texans are the exact opposite. They are not unbelievably cheap. Cal McNair spent money, and the McNairs spent money to buy out multiple people from their contracts that they weren't doing a good job, starting with Bill O'Brien. Fired after four games after making the playoffs. There was money on that contract. They gave a four-year contract to David Culley. They fired him after a year. Lovey Smith was a multi-year contract. Fired him after a year. So Cal McNair will flex. The McNairs will flex their financial muscle, or Cincinnati never did. That's fair. And what do we want out of ownership? Like, what what makes a good owner? What makes a good owner? That they spend, that they hire good people, and they don't meddle. I think that the Texans have all three. They spend money. They've now hired good people, we think. Casario, perhaps the executive of the year. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, perhaps the coach of the year. And I don't think Cal's meddling with any of those guys. No, I, I think that's that's definitely fair. Like, if you look at it from just a money perspective, I, I think it's more about the – to me, I guess the comparison for Cincinnati is, you know, the, the lack of ability to hire a good coach and, and move the franchise in a direction where 9-7 and seven first-round exit in the playoffs isn't the bar because that's what the Texans franchise was, and that's what Marvin Lewis was yeah. for so long. And just how you've pissed off some of the most important players in your franchise history, Carson Palmer was demanding trades from the Cincinnati Bengals, partially because they wouldn't spend money, for sure. But, like, I just that's why I don't think it's just the, the money is definitely different than the Bengals. But, like, the bigger point is that one quarterback, one coach, Solves all your problems. It doesn't sure. mean that they don't exist, but they fix all your issues. But, but guys, also, isn't it the fact that there's a method to the madness? So the fact is, Jeremy, if you call Cal buffoon, if we look at him and say he's a bumbling idiot, we, we've all had our, our ways of describing some of the missteps he's taken in the past. Whether it's internal, external, or just a look in the mirror, but to rebrand this in order to turn the, the, the fans around too, they realized every time you saw his face, you heard his voice, those are the kind of negative things that came out. So whether Hannah was strategic, Hannah was it, it, the, the, them, the, the couple themselves deciding this, and it was a family matter, however it happened, the rebrand got sp- uh, sped up too because Hannah was a, a fresh face. Hannah was someone that was like a light in the room that you looked at and could believe in and you could understand was maybe the first sign that it's going to be different going forward. And that's why people started to look a little less negatively whenever it was you heard about the Texans ownership. 
I think they hired a really good marketing team. No doubt. Which, credit to them. They knew something had to be changed, and they went out and found somebody that would help change that. Like, Cal's leaned into his buffoonship, if that's a thing. The handlebar mustache. They're selling shirts with it. He's got the flipping pinky burgers. ring. Flipping burgers. He's got the, the photo like, of him with the photo of him on it. Like, the t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. Like, He's like watching just, a 40-inch TV from 100 feet away. Like, he he's leaned into his buffoonness. Did you mention and you're the right, WWE? you're right. They've made Hannah more of a, a face. Yeah, the WWE video with the two yeah. of them, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all of it was, he kind of bought, you're right, he kind of owned it. But, but. I give him credit for that. Sure. Like, I think that's a like that's smart. We well, don't who, have a good look in the market. You are. How do we fix it? Lean into it. Lean into it. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Maybe Cal's not going to be the owner very long, though. Kerry Kari, don't know how to pronounce his name. But uh, he's filing a motion to try to basically control the Houston Texans. Scared? Fearful? Happy if you don't like Cal? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. The Killer Bees? What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and murderous Jays. So Cal, Hannah, they've turned the tide. Uh, people are on board. Not 100%, as we just heard, which is fine. I, I can totally respect that. Uh, CJ on Twitch, I'm worried this lawsuit is going to be the end of the golden age of Texans football. Junior Broncos, maybe Cal and Hannah kidnapped Janice. When was the last time you heard Janice talk? A long time ago. Go. I went out to training camp this year. Janice was there in the wheelchair, and uh, they told us not to take pictures. The last time we would have heard her, I've seen her talk was the video they put out with D'Amico the day he got hired. Okay. Was oh, inter- so that was... There was an interaction in her office. Nine months ago? Twelve months ago? D'Amico was hired... Okay, so that... Like, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, it'd be 12 like, maybe like 11, 12, 12 yeah. months ago, somewhere in that timeline. A year ago, yeah. It's a long time. I'm not saying we have, like, a weekend with Bernie going on or no, a weekend no, no, at no, Bernie's but, thing going on. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I, I've heard from people... That she was not in the best of health. I have no idea. No, and that I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to sit there and legitimately say that you know she's incapacitated or that's this, that, or the other thing. But obviously, just at her age alone and what you've seen, and she's in a wheelchair and all the things that you've seen, she's not, she's not in her heyday. But at the same time, we don't know what's going on. But if they tell you not to take pictures, that's probably in respect to someone that's not doing great. How many years from her heyday is she? Probably plenty. Did you date her in high school? No. <laughs> Another good one on your part. I um, love those. I do. I do. I get a kick out. I'm not going to lie. Um, so I have some thoughts with this. Like, there's some there's some honest truths that need to be discussed here that I don't think a lot of people are wanting to have. Like, let's just start there. Uh, and we got into a little bit of it there. Like, we have no idea what Janice's health is like. Like, I saw people. I saw uh, the general. Uh, I saw all these people on Twitter. What do you mean Janice's health is bad? How in the world do you know? Right. How do you know? Like, if you're McLean and he's built relationships and you've been over to the house and you've had conversations with her, then that's one thing. But if you're just saying, like, basically, you know, stop, you guys better stop right now and you don't have any legitimacy behind it, you just, because you want to protect the family, that's a different story. Because, yeah, you're right. Unless you've been, like, over to the house for dinner, because I want to say that they've had some shots or something like that from inside the house. Before the season started, I don't. I mean, she was she was seen around preseason in camp. Yeah, like I know she's not 
dead. At least right, right, right. Dating back to training camp. But a few thoughts that I have here. First off, what are we going to call Carrie? Is it Carrie? I think is it's it Carrie. Car- is it Carrie? Does it rhyme with Gary? It's Robert it spelled- Carrie. It's spelled C A R Y. I want to say that it rhymes with Gary. I think it's, it's Carrie Robert rhymes with Carrie Gary. McNair. Which of all the C names that exist, why are you going with Carrie? Have you ever heard of a Carrie McNair that's a man? Ever. Have you ever heard of a Carrie, a man named Carrie? I've never heard of a man named Carrie. I, I've had, I've heard of not. Now Have that you, you mentioned that, I've heard of guys named Carrie before. I used to work with a guy named Carrie, but it was K E R R Y. Really, yep. I've never heard of a man named Carrie. This is like a boy named Sue type of thing. Like this is exactly what that is. So I mean, one, like, I question the decision of the McNairs naming him Carrie. I can't let you get away with that. Gary. What do you mean, Carrie Collins? It was K E R R Y. I know. This is C A R Y. Same thing. Same thing. My it's, buddy's name is it's Carrie. Same thing. <sighs> I've never seen this name spelled. And maybe I'm just... I dated a girl I, named Carrie C-A-R-Y. That's a girl. Like, oh, very I, much so, yes. Appreciate the flex. So, like, I that that's just where I want to start. Like, let's let's figure out what we're calling. Is it Carrie? Is it Kari? We're going Carrie? I Are we going Carrie? Yep. Okay, good. Carrie. Uh, I've reached out to Carrie McNair to see if he'd want to join our show to discuss his side of this case. I have not heard back. I would be shocked if... I heard back. I'll be very honest with that. Um, the other thing is this article, Cal McNair doesn't want some stuff out. Like it flat no, out says true. Cal yeah. McNair wants to keep these uh, documents sealed. Now, they could be minor. Like some of the stuff in these documents could be very, very minor. It could be as simple as Cal McNair's home address, his bank information, uh, Janice McNair's doctor notes or whatever. It could be that simple. Mm-hmm. But Cal, And he flat out says it. Like some of the quotes say that like from Cal McNair in the affidavit to the courts, some of these things could be very damaging to the Houston yes, Texans, it, yep. could, could cause potential problems. And that's I can understand that that's lawyer mingo or lingo where they're, they're using all these big words to scare or like you know how lawyers do but cal mcnair flat out in the affidavit says we do not want this stuff coming out so what do we know because he said this cal mcnair has stuff that he does not want to come out right no doubt about it and what is, did they say this process started back in december november 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 okay so if it's back in november this also kind of leads into what we were talking about earlier in the show, too, though, because of the and what we were just talking about the last segment, too, as an organization, as from a from a perception standpoint, PR marketing, however you look at it, too. There are times that you can actually kind of have conversations with your employees because the head coach and the quarterback and other guys are the ones that are at the forefront to make sure that statements are out there to make sure how, that you understand, hey, Cal's a, Cal and and. and Hannah are great, and they are they are, they have been supportive of us. Because if you're a player and a coach and a general manager, the last thing you want to do is change if things are start, starting to really work like a well-oiled machine. And so that can happen too, because you have to believe as much as we've talked about it. And we just got done talking about it in a positive way. The entire organization right now has to feel like we don't want someone else to come in. We don't want any different anything to be different because what's working right now is going really well. The um, it is interesting when you look at the timeline of it too. Like if this would like we just got done talking to some people that still won't give money to the millionaires. If this happened eighteen months ago, people oh. would be rooting for cars. Yes, they Carrie. would. Yes, so like, they. That's would. what's interesting about this is like 
18 months ago when no one wanted Cal to have control of the organization, everybody would have been like, yay, Kerry, give him the new ownership because people were begging for Cal McNair to like, where the McNair is, uh, to sell the team. So like the timeline of that I find interesting as well, how you go from 18 months ago, Kerry would have been celebrated to now, what is Kerry doing to our team? He's awful. He's the worst. He's Mustafa, or I guess he'd be Scar in this case. He'd be Scar, not Mustafa, even though they weren't actually uh, family brothers. A little Lion King trivia for you. And then the final thing for me, Mufasa. Though. Mufasa. What did I say, Mufasa? Yeah, you did. I'm Mufasa. not a big Disney guy. I don't like cartoons. I'm just gonna have to correct you. Here's that. the other thing. Here's the other thing that I get a feel for here out of this final thing in this lawsuit that I have. This spells to, like it smells to me. And I talked to a lawyer buddy of mine. Uh, like he, his wife works in like wills and estates too, so he's he's an expert at this, and he actually disagrees with me. So maybe I'm just a, a buffoon here, but. This, to me, spell, smells like Kerry is trying to set himself up for controlling interest of this team. He's trying to make himself, what, the, what is it, the, the word, um, uh, the judiciary or whatever. He's trying to be the controlling owner of this team, I feel like. Like, he's, he's suing for that. Like, he's flat out suing for that. And I think he's posturing and angling for at some point, someday, to have the controlling interest, controlling ownership of the Houston Texans. And what's the motive there? Why does he want that? He, his stakes are probably the same. His shares are probably the same. Why would he want that? No, uh, I think he wants control, and then I think he wants to sell the franchise. I don't disagree. I don't, that's for, when I was reading the article, he's successful on his own, right? He's successful enough on his own controlling the other businesses. Yeah, McNair interest. Yeah, that, that he's got a job. He's got a job for life. He knows that he's in a good spot. But he probably also realizes that, now that the Texans are on the upswing again, and you look, it doesn't take a you know a, a, a diehard to watch the news in the sports world and see what franchises are selling for these days. Look at what Washington with Dan Snyder and all the negativity was it six billion dollars? When you look at that kind of cash that's out there, and you look at the fact that we know that there's a lot of uncertainty right now at the head of the family, it sounds like maybe all wasn't paradise in the McNair household and at at holiday dinners and things that maybe there'd be more to it than even that but and I don't I, I assume he's older than Cal I'm not sure which one's the older or younger I don't know because I think it would be a lot easier to say I should be the next in line because I'm older than Cal in terms of the family business so if there was any kind of issues or trouble or otherwise you can also say hey this should probably be me and if it's me I'm looking at six bills sitting on the table if I sell this franchise. I'm getting crushed for saying Mustafa. <laughs> it's well-deserved. Now, the way that I understood it when Bob passed, and I, don't ha- I, I tried to find this and I couldn't find it, the way that I understood it was that one son got the McNair interest, that would be uh, Kerry here, mm-hmm. and then the other son got the Texans, that would be Cal. I would also imagine that each of them have shares in the other you know, companies. I'm sure that Cal has shares in McNair Interest. I'm sure that Kerry has shares in the Houston Texans. So this to me isn't like um, – I don't think this is really a financial play in terms of like sharehold, like stakes and how many shares they have. I think that this is a power move, probably a hostile takeover move, in order to, ca- to gain controlling interest of the team. And why else would you want to have controlling interest of the team if you're trying to do something that the current person that has controlling interest of the team doesn't want to do? which would be sell the team. It's just my hunch. Tell me if I'm crazy. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. A lot of people are telling us some Kerry names, too. Kerry Collins said Joe. I don't know why you didn't say Kerry Wood. 
former Chicago oh, Cup good pitcher. Call. But that was a K-E-R-Y. Yes, it was. K-E-R-Y. Now, apparently, uh, you're better with uh, actors and stuff than I am. Uh, Carrie Ools, star of The Princess Bride. No clue. I don't know who that is either. Apparently, they played in Robin Hood as well. Um, yeah. So there's Carrie a... Carrie Underwood Carrie. is a female. It's a female. But I just haven't heard of many men named Carrie, C-A-R-Y. I guess Carrie Ools would be the uh, exception here. An English actor. That's another thing to throw in mind here. It's an English actor as opposed to an American man. All right, 713-780-ESPN. What are Carrie's... What are his intentions here? What is his motive in filing these affidavits? Is this a distraction for the Houston Texans? Also, we'll have some fun with this because Kerry and Cal are duking it out in the courtroom. What are the greatest sibling rivalries that we have ever seen? 713-780-ESPN. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.